0: Welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday. Yes, it is Tuesday. It is not Monday. I know you're going to be thinking it's Monday all day, but it is Tuesday. So it is the Tuesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Crawley. I hope you guys had a great July 4th weekend. Mine was pretty awesome. I didn't do much. So that's always good when you're just chilling, not doing anything. So I had a great weekend, and I hope you had a great weekend. And one of the benefits of a long weekend, short work week. So we're already on Tuesday, things are looking up. So here's the thing, I got some good news and some bad news for millennials with regards to home buying and just kind of overall looking at their economic financial situation. And because I like to end the show with good news, I thought we'd start with the bad news. So Julia Carpenter over at the Wall Street Journal writes that thanks to the shortage of small single family homes, first time home buyers are unable to participate in this hot housing market. Now, starter homes have always been an important part of the wealth building process because it allows young homeowners to build wealth and then upsize as they start their families. Unfortunately, the current housing market is locking them out. So why is this happening? Well, the usual suspects are involved. The big issue that we have talked about many a times here on this podcast, and that is supply. Carpenter writes that supply of entry-level housing, which is defined by Freddie Mac as homes under 1,400 square feet, is at a five-decade low. So not unlike the actual housing market. I mean, that's pretty much where we are with regards to inventory. Definitely worse with starter homes, but not that much different than what everyone's seeing in the mid-size area. So what are the results? So what what are the impacts of this lack of supply? Well, the National Association of Realtors reports that the median age of a first-time home buyer was 33 years old, which is up from 30 years old just a decade ago. So in a decade, we've seen the average age of a first-time home buyer increase by three years, and let's face it, that number's gonna get worse because of the lack of starter homes that are out there right now. And so why does this matter? Well, it matters for a really important reason. So we talk about wealth building and getting a starter home sort of helping to begin that process. Delaying home ownership can have an impact later in life with regards to wealth accumulation. So Carpenter writes that delaying home ownership has far-reaching consequences for buyers' financial lives those who become homeowners between the ages of 25 and 34 so we're still in that area they accumulate about 150,000 in median housing wealth by their early 60s this according to an analysis from the urban institute now those who waited until between the ages of 35 and 44 which we are getting close to they netted about 72,000 in median housing wealth now obviously the earlier you get started the better off you're going to be. So increasing that age, and if we see that number get over 35, that's going to have quite the impact. I mean, we're talking about half the housing wealth of someone that starts five, 10 years earlier. And so this is going to have some big implications. There's no doubt about that. And then on top of it, I mean, what's kind of even more problematic about this situation is unless we just start turning out houses at a crazy rate, This is not something that can be easily fixed. We can't just pass a bill. We can't just advocate for, you know, one solution. And this is about building. And this is about building more and more and more. I mean, we're looking at a shortage of between three to five million homes. We build, what, a million homes, if we're lucky, a year? So to double that, which would seem crazy, would still take us years to get out of it. Half a decade. If we're lucky, assuming demand stays the same, it would take us half a decade to get out of it. And so that is one of the unfortunate circumstances is this hot housing market and these skyrocketing prices are pricing millennials out of the housing market. So that's the bad news. Here is the good news. Also a piece in the Wall Street Journal, this one by Ben Eisen. And Ann Turguson, who reports that baby boomers and older Americans have spent decades accumulating an enormous stockpile of money. And now they have started parceling it out to their heirs and others. So here's the good news. Well, I should say, here's the bad. The bad news is it's hard for young people to get involved in the housing market. The good news is they may be getting a lot of help from their parents so how much money are we talking about here what's what's the dollar amounts well the journal reports that older generations will hand down some 70 trillion dollars between 2018 and 2042 americans age 70 and above as right now have a net worth of nearly 35 trillion dollars according to data from the federal reserve Their wealth is now equal to 157% of U.S. gross domestic product, more than doubled the proportion 30 years ago. So this is evidence of how much money the baby boomers have accumulated. It is a ton. So the big question is, where's this money going? And here's the benefit for millennials. Eisen and Turgeson write that roughly 61 trillion of the 70 trillion, 61 trillion will go to their heirs, increasingly millennials and generation xers, with the balance, the rest of the balance going to philanthropy. The average inheritance in 2019 was up 45% from 1998, and here's the other kicker, is that baby boomers are not waiting until they die to pass this money on. Annual gift tax, uh, or I should say, annual gifts taxpayers reported to the IRS, a fraction of the gifts that flow outside the tax system, rose to seventy-five billion in two thousand and sixteen. So, another question you're asking yourself: How does this help millennials? Well, I mean, it does seem kind of obvious. <laughs> Maybe you're not answering, you're not asking yourself that question. But one of the big beneficiaries um, will be housing. Parents are helping their children with down payments and other costs. In fact, uh, some newly released data from Freddie Mac shows that the percentage of first time homebuyers younger than 35, which is important because as we talked about earlier, 35 is kind of that cutoff um, where you start seeing a drastic drastic reduction in the wealth that you're going to accumulate uh, being a first time homebuyer over the course of your life with regards to housing, um, being younger than 35, they're seeing co-signers 55 or older. That number rose to 3.2% in 2018 in 1994, that number was 1.3%. So you're seeing a lot of millennials parents helping them either with a down payment, being a co-signer, whatever it may be. So it's, Kind of a weird situation because one of the other big problems that you're going to see is that obviously this financial benefit uh, for millennials and Gen Xers is not going to be evenly distributed. So it's not going to be like every millennial and Gen Xer gets X amount of dollars. Some are going to benefit a lot more depending on the wealth of their parents. But this wealth transfer should help many millennials who have experienced not one, but two economic collapses in just their two decades in the workforce. And so, yeah, things are a lot different. I'm a millennial. Things are a lot different, uh, from in the economy for what we're facing versus what my parents and and other millennials parents faced. But at the same time, we're also for the most part going to see a benefit of the wealth accumulation. A lot of our parents have benefited from, you know, with regards to housing and just making more money and being able to save money. And that's, Important not only for housing, but also for social security and retirement. I mean, there's kind of a joke among millennials the fact that social security is not going to be there for us when we retire. And so you have a situation where a lot of our parents are benefiting from social security and that allows them to save money that they can then leave for us, which we're going to need because we're not going to have that social security. So I, you know, I'd love to see the math on this. And see, is it like an even split? Like the amount that we're worse off than our parents with regards to wealth accumulation, is that countered by the amount of money that millennials are going to be left to by their parents? So is that going to make up for that shortfall? And I'd love to see... I, I don't have the data in front of me, obviously, but I would love to see that data. And know, is it sort of like a wash or is there a benefit? Is the money that many millennials are gonna get from their parents gonna put them in a better position than their parents were, you know, thirty, forty years ago. So it's uh it's hard to say. But like I said, good and bad news depending on your situation. Now speaking of good news, we do have more good news to get to two good stories in Wood Podcast is always a win. Uh and that was the job report that came out on Friday, which seems forever ago. (laughs) That's when something that happens on a Friday before a long weekend uh, can tend to get forgotten about. Uh, But the jobs report was good. I mean, it beat expectations, and it reversed a two-month trend, which was the jobs report missing expectations. So what did we see on Friday? 850,000 jobs were created in June. And then on top of it, we got more good news when the May estimate was actually adjusted upward, To five hundred eighty-three thousand, so I would say that's good news. Uh, The unemployment rate, uh, unfortunately, was unchanged at five point nine percent, along with the number of unemployed persons nine point five million in June. So I'm guessing what's happening: people are starting to look for work again as they're hearing about all these job openings. So the number of counted. Unemployed people, despite people going back to work, is remaining the same. The leisure and hospitality industry saw the biggest jump, creating 343,000 jobs, followed by state and local government, creating 193,000. Trade, transportation, utilities created 99,000. Professional and business services created seventy two, And retail created 67,000. Now, one number that was... I think interesting was the participation uh, rate has remained steady for over a year, which is kind of weird because you've seen jobs disappear and come back. Uh, The June 2021 number was unchanged at 61.6%, and that has remained within a narrow range of 61.4 and 61.7% since June of 2020. Now, Felix Salmon, who is the chief financial correspondent at Axios, said it was, quote, genuinely weird, tweeting the pre-pandemic normal was around 63%. Why haven't we made any real progress towards that level, even with all the change in vaccines and other things changing? It's an interesting question. I don't have the answer for it, but I just thought it was something uh, that was noted by a lot of people covering the report that came out on Friday. Uh, telework in June was 14.4% of employed persons, which was down from 16.6% the prior month and down from the high that we saw in May of 2020 when that number was thirty five percent. Now some more good news in this good news report: average hourly earnings for all employees on private uh, private non farm non farm payrolls. There we go. Uh, continued its climb, rising ten percent in June to thirty dollars and forty cents, which followed increases in May and April. But here's what's really interesting: the good news is that the lower paying sectors have seen the biggest jumps. Wages in retail, in leisure, and hospitality are uh, seeing gains of 62 and 7.1% respectively year over year, which is great news. So the people who are in the lowest paying sectors are seeing the biggest gains. Now, I'm not going to lie. I would have loved to have seen a cool million jobs created heading into the July 4th weekend, but 8.50, nothing to seize at. And I think was a great reason to celebrate the July 4th weekend, which I hope once again, you guys had a great July 4th, three day, four day, or maybe even a five day weekend. Like I said, mine was pretty good. And but we're back to work. We go. I will see you guys tomorrow. Hope you guys have a great Tuesday. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.